Prosthesis the Anti-Robot. Sounds like something straight out of a science fiction movie. But now Vancouver Man is trying to make the Iron Man-like machine a reality. Jonathan Tippett has been working on a two-story human-controlled anti-robot. Jonathan, why do you want to build something like this? Uh, why not? Introducing Prosthesis the Anti-Robot. Welcome to Episode 3 of Interesting Vancouver Presents. Interesting Vancouver Presents is a series of stories with ordinary Vancouverites leading extraordinary lives. I'm your host, David Swanson, and today, Interesting Vancouver Presents Jonathan Tippett, an engineer and an artist who designs and builds high-performance, three-story-high racing robots. My name is Jonathan Tippett. I'm an artist and an engineer and a builder of giant robots. I think my early interest in, in 2007, Jonathan co-founded an educational art research laboratory called the Eat Art Foundation. It supports artists who use engineering to educate the public about clean energy technology. A lot of really good work comes out of this place, like Daisy, the world's largest solar-powered tricycle, and the Black Ghost electric bike car, a long-distance bicycle that has electric motors built into its rear wheels. I met Jonathan at his lab in East Vancouver. It's enormous. It looks like a handyman dad's dream garage. There are several mobile flatbeds in the space supporting projects made of twisted metal, rotating gears, and hydraulic pumps surrounded by webs of colorful wiring. It smells of sawdust and has large heavy-duty power tools sitting like steel statues throughout the space. This is a 3,000-square-foot, 25-foot ceiling uh, vintage industrial warehouse space with a long heritage in Vancouver of building large steel things. We've got welders, uh, machine tools and various giant robotic sculptures hanging from the rafters. This is the place where all of the artwork is built and maintained, and much of it is hatched for the Eat Art Foundation. In a lot of ways, Jonathan seems like a big kid. He always seems to be smiling, and he cracks a lot of jokes. And, well, he builds giant robots. This is Jonathan speaking live at the interesting Vancouver 2014 event. He just cartwheeled on stage in a red jumpsuit, by the way. Yeah, when I was asked to speak tonight, I was really hoping my slideshow would be on the thing. <laughs> but I thought I would talk about the only piece of laundry that was available to wear, which was my pilot jumpsuit, because it's the weekend and I haven't done my laundry yet. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to tell you... Give yourself credit. You got matching socks, too. Uh, appreciate that. That's what the handstand is good for showing off the socks. Um, th this machine is uh, a racing machine with a message. Um, and in case you needed any more convincing, here is a clip from Jonathan's promo video that he made for his latest art project, Prosthesis. Prosthesis promo video, take one. Okay, it opens with some ominous music, some dark lighting, some slow pans over the machine, specifically on things like the shocks that might be confused for a vehicle. And you have the voiceover. For generations, people have been pushing the limits of technology. <laughs> you have like 
quick montage, super bike, F1 racer, dirt bike, and then the final in that quick little montage, like, airborne trophy truck. But, and then it goes back to voiceover. But people have been dreaming of more. Or something along those lines. And then you have a quick montage. Avatar Walker, the kick-ass bipedal machine in District 9, like... <laughs> aliens loader, you know? And then it'd be like... But now... It's time to make that dream reality. Like, enter some serious, wicked techno, like... Like, power montage of tech porn shots, and you're like, that's a fucking game! So, you get what I mean. This guy absolutely loves what he does. Probably the first significant... Oh, yes. <laughs> the first custom ground up machine that I built was a radio controlled car that had a fan from a blow dryer strapped onto it. So it blew itself around. And then I had servos from radio controlled car technology circa 1986 that would point the fan in different directions. And this tiny little sort of six inch bouncy wheel buggy would go hurling all over the neighborhood out of control. And I knew from then on I had to design machines. And once I did engineering at UBC and graduated and started attending Burning Man, that's when it transformed into a large-scale art-based mechanical passion. Jonathan's early childhood curiosity in design and mechanics are fundamental drivers for his future projects. But it's these interests merged with his love for extreme sports that map the path for the art that Jonathan is building today. I did a series of household accessories from found objects, like you know, magazine holders and candle holders and things like that. Sold a few things in, in interior decorating stores, but um, I soon realized that really it was all about moving parts for me. It was about uh, the mechanization and one of my favorite things, born out of my mountain biking and snowboarding inclinations was the human involvement and uh, with an engineering degree under my belt it gave me the capability to design and conceive of things from the very sort of fundamental beginnings and I didn't have to rely so much on found objects or pre-existing mechanisms. Enter the Mondo Spider, the world's first zero emission walking vehicle and Jonathan's first large-scale piece of human-powered artwork. The Mondo Spider is a giant fragile clockwork piece of art disguised as a terrifying, menacing machine that many people uh, think was made for war. It's about 1,700 pounds of steel and hydraulics and lithium-ion batteries that um, ha have a fully articulated eight-leg walking mechanism, and the pilot sits in the middle of it, and it's totally controlled by the pilot from inside. Uh, that's kind of the essence of it, is that it's it's something you ride. That was one of the fundamental drivers behind the whole thing. So you you climb into this thing, you sit down on uh, this sort of spring-loaded seat, and there's a couple of hydraulic levers that you grab, one in each hand, and one lever controls all the legs in a, in a predetermined sequence on one side, and the other lever controls all the legs in a predetermined sequence on the other side. And the pilot has the option to make the legs move forward or back. 
And you can actually turn on the spot like a bobcat or a tank by moving the levers in opposite directions. And the reasoning behind it was really just to make a, an engaging piece of art. Engaging for the pilot and engaging for the audience and unique and uh, as a way for us as engineers to exercise our creativity and our skills for something um, non-commercial and not driven by pragmatic constraints. Jonathan defines his creations as anti-robots. He believes there has been an unchecked trend towards the adoption of automated systems and technologies in recent decades. He believes these technologies, or these robots, are replacing many of our human experiences. His anti-robots, like the Mondo Spider, are machines. But unlike many of the daily computerized devices that we use, they demand a greater level of human involvement. The essence of the anti-robot movement is a counterpoint to the seemingly unchecked onslaught of automation that is taking over so many of our experiences. Now, I'm an engineer and a technophile, and I love robots. They are awesome and extremely valuable for doing lots of things. But there is a point where the automation of everything, the application of technology, specifically software control systems, is beginning to undermine human agency and the quality of human experiences because there's such an unbridled celebration of this developing technology that people automatically revel at its application to anything. And I I feel that there is a risk in that unchecked adoption of automation, a risk that revolves around diminishing the human experience, the, the death of skill, as I call it. So the anti-robot is not in conflict with robotics. It's just a counterpoint. It's just something to remind us that there is still a joy in developing physical skill. If gone unchecked, technology, especially at the rate that it's developing, holds perils that we can't even imagine. Technology is amoral, and it will hurt us if we don't develop it properly. But Jonathan didn't always have such a clear understanding of the message in his artwork. It took time for him to articulate his ideas about the relationship between people and technology and to discover the social commentary in his work. It wasn't until Jonathan was planning his next big project, Prosthesis, that he realized the underlying message embodied in his walking machines. And then I was working with uh, my sister-in-law, Kate Armstrong. She's been my artistic muse. She's kind of been my artistic guide, one of my greatest fans. And uh, she sat down with me once in 2009, and we spent like two hours talking about the concept. And that's kind of, it was in that conversation, actually, that the anti-robot notion started to percolate up. And I really started to sort of retroactively determine my artistic message, because the machine didn't really start as an art project per se. It started as a me wanting to build something awesome to ride. And then she helped me unearth the fact that that urge to build something awesome to ride was really rooted in a, um, some observations and opinions I had about the direction society was going in. So she kind of like coaxed out the fact that I was an artist. <laughs> After completing the Mondo Spider, Jonathan was already designing his next anti-robot. And this time, it was going to be bigger. A lot bigger. Prosthesis will be a 5-meter tall, 3,000-kilogram, four-legged, wearable walking machine powered by a hybrid electric power plant. Prosthesis was originally hatched as an attempt to make the simplest walking machine controlled by a human pilot with their whole body. That was the original mandate. I should write that down somewhere. 
And as the architecture of the machine evolved, it became four-limbed because people have four limbs. It's not actually like a gorilla either because gorillas have a whole body between their arms and their legs, but it's the closest thing. Gorillas do that sort of lope. It's kind of like a person walking on crutches. The metaphor of prosthesis, the anti-robot, will cause people to pause and think about why and if what they're doing or what they're developing or what they're growing is actually making things better. The other metaphor in prosthesis is the amplification of human uh, effect. So basically prosthesis is just a massive amplifier for your body and it, using technology. And, and that's kind of what happens. You know, if you develop a huge following on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, then, then your thoughts and your opinions become amplified. And with that comes great responsibility. For me, it's, it comes from my, my early childhood and, and my, all my experiences actually as a mountain biker and snowboarder and uh, capoeirista, the Brazilian martial art I studied for like three years, playing drums. So many of my greatest moments, my highest highs, my most engaging, fulfilling experiences have been by subjecting myself to challenging tasks arbitrary challenging tasks. I mean, this is a fundamental human drive. Basically, any sport that's ever invented is an arbitrary challenge that people devote themselves to getting good at. It's, it's, it's fundamental to human nature to want to master physical skills. And the other important aspect of anti-robotics or this connection with our physical bodies that differentiates it from, say, virtual reality is consequence. So there's a, a huge and amazing and impressive movement towards simulation of experiences. Video games where, you know, like the Wii, where you're actually physically moving or you're engaged with some kind of hardware that makes you think that you're doing the real thing more so. But what all of those lack is consequence. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's some sci-fi plot lines out there for uh, video games with consequence. But uh, there's something uniquely motivating about consequence. It doesn't have to be bodily harm, but... There's something very sort of fundamental about having your body invested in whatever it is you're doing. We seem to be forgetting ourselves in this race to automation. A lack of physical investment and consequence in our experiences is causing us to become increasingly disconnected from our own body. Engineering is the application of science to create technologies, and many modern technologies require very little physical participation. But creations like the Mondo Spider and Prosthesis are not only functional feats of engineering, they're creations with artistic value. My definition of art is, is anything that has a message in it that is being delivered for the sake of the message. But the use of engineering or machinery in an artistic context, to me, is no more unusual than the use of dance or music. It's, it's just a medium. It's just a a way of recruiting the elements of the universe, be they pigment or vibration or space or steel or grease. These are just manifestations of the beautiful universe we live in, and we, have, uh, we recruit them with whatever skills we have to express whatever thoughts we have. Poets use words, I use machines.
This has been Interesting Vancouver Presents Jonathan Tippett. This episode was hosted and produced by me, David Swanson, with support from Brett McFarlane and Mark Bussey. In association with SFU Woodward's Graphic Designers of Canada and Creative Mornings Vancouver. Through talks, workshops, and programs, Interesting Vancouver celebrates the people and activities that can only happen in Vancouver and by Vancouverites. For more information, to subscribe, or to get in touch, visit us at interestingvancouver.com. I'm David Swanson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>